Thank you for the opportunity, really the privilege of being able to be here with you this morning to share a message from God's Word. I'm going to uh, share a message this morning based on the visit of the, of the wise men, and I've entitled the message Following the Wise Men. January 6th, which comes up three days from now, is a day in which the church commemorates the appearance of some men from the East to visit the young Jesus and to give him gifts. We call that day Epiphany. Epiphany means appearance. And that's a, that's a, good, that's a good name for the day. Because it seems like the wise men, the Magi, appeared out of nowhere. They certainly weren't forecast uh, a whole lot, uh, you know, in, in advance and, and uh, seemingly came out of nowhere. And, and Jesus himself, even though there were many uh, pre-recorded uh, prophecies about his coming, still caught many people by surprise as he, as he appeared and came into this world. I'm going to be reading from chapter 2 of Matthew, verses 1 through 12, as the basis for the message this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn along with me to Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream, not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by a different way. As I began to study in preparation for preaching this message this morning, I, I discovered that I've preached on this on this text a couple of different times um, in in the course of of my pastoral ministry, and I don't maybe it. Maybe it's something I was aware of before, but it was something that really struck me this time in, in preparation in a way that, that it had, had never struck me before, at least not to my memory. And that is to realize that there is far more that we don't know about the Magi than what we do know about him. Isn't that true? 
I mean, stop and think about it. We don't know specifically from where they came. In fact, there are locations as far east as China which have been suggested. But it's all conjecture. It's all educated guess. In some cases, it's just mere opinion. I personally think, and this is my opinion now, <laughs> that they came from Babylon. And, and part of the reason for that is, I think there's some scriptural uh, evidence here that, that can help us to realize that this would be a very natural place from which they could come, and, and that they would have a real interest, very likely then, in, in what took place in Israel. In Daniel chapter 2, we read of, of uh, Daniel being able to interpret the dream of Kim, King Nebuchadnezzar. That's easy for me to say. And he, um, he was so impressed because none of his own people were able to do this. And, and so the king fell on his face and did homage to Daniel, and he gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. And in chapter 2 of Daniel, beginning at verse 47, we read, The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal the mystery. The king then promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over the wise men of Babylon. Here we have a connection then, don't we, between Israel and Babylon and specifically of the wise men. Now the wise men weren't necessarily, you know, didn't have 150 IQs or anything like that. It, it, was a, it was a word or a title that was used to those who studied astrology. And we know from history that, that Babylon had a, a great number of serious astrologers. And so these wise men over whom Daniel was placed were, were astrologers. And, and so I think it's more than... It's more likely that they came from, from Babylon uh, to, to Bethlehem than, than perhaps any other place. But we don't know from what source they gained their knowledge of the king they came to visit. We know what motivated them to undertake the trip, because they tell us in the text we looked at this morning that they were traveling here in order to worship the child. And that tells me that there had to have been faith in their hearts. Would you have made a 600-mile trip out of curiosity? Even with the fine vehicle I have today, my 2007 Chevy Silverado pickup, I wouldn't make a 600-mile trip if there wasn't a real good reason for it. <laughs> they believed in a message that they had learned from somewhere, some, some person at some time. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the message. We don't know how many there were of them. Although in Norway, Epiphany is known as Three Kings Day, and that's about as solid as anything you find on the Internet, right? If it's on the Internet, it's true. It comes from the old country, right? Some of you guys must be from other countries. <laughs> you're, you're not real excited about that. <laughs> We don't know their names. 
Although we've been told that they're Balthazar, Gaspar, and Melchior, and I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing their names correctly, but, excuse me, but those names weren't ascribed to the, to the Magi until the 6th century. I, I always find that interesting. You know, the further away you are from a historical event, the more knowledge that people seem to think they have. Uh, I, I, looked, I looked it up again uh, just last night. And my Bible begins with the words, in the beginning, God created. But in the last couple of hundred years, boy, that has been pretty much ignored, hasn't it? <laughs> Late knowledge. What was the star that led them? We don't know for sure what that was either. And there's, again, there have been great studies that have been done and, 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 uh, again, from, from astrologers and scientists, there are those who think that perhaps the planets of Jupiter and Saturn aligned together and shone brightly and would appear to move even. But you know what? And, and, and that's not an unreasonable thought. But the fact of the matter is, God could have created a special light simply for this purpose. I'm seeing some heads go this way. I'm glad to see that. Because he could have. It's just like the Leviathan that swallowed Jonah. I hope it was a specially created being. Because that would have been tight quarters in the, in the belly of a, of a whale. When they got to Bethlehem, even that we don't know for sure. We do know that they didn't go to the stable, which means that almost every nativity set in the world is historically inaccurate. And I'm not going to say a whole lot about that because my beloved has a nativity set set up and we have the, the wise men that are part of that too. In fact, our Sunday school program this year at Solid Rock, where we attend, had the wise men and the shepherds concurrent with each other, worshiping there in the stable. But the Bible tells us that when the, when the wise men got there, they, were, they came into a house in verse 11 of chapter 2. And we also are reminded in the passage just pre- or, uh, following this that Herod didn't want to go to worship this Christ child, he wanted to get rid of him. He didn't want any threats over his own ruling. And so we're, we're told that he killed all male children, children, excuse me, two years of age and under in and around Bethlehem. So Jesus may very well have been walking, able to climb up into his mother's lap, maybe, maybe even was saying a few words. Do you ever wonder what Jesus' first word was? must have been Abba. When I was studying, I I found a a little, I guess I'll call it humorous, um, anecdote. It asked, what if the wise men were women? And the answer given is that they would have asked for directions sooner so they would have arrived on time you realize that it's only like six miles from Jerusalem to, to Bethlehem. And it's a 600-mile trip from Babylon to Jerusalem. 
So they go 99% of the way before they stop to ask for directions. Although they did have the guiding light, didn't they? But I, I find that interesting. Oh, and it also says of the of the women, if they were wise women instead of wise men, that they would have gotten there on time and they would have swept the stable clean and they would have baked a casserole. And for sure, they would have given more practical gifts. Although... Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they seem like pretty interesting gifts to me, and we'll consider those briefly a little bit later today, too. So what do we know? There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot that we surmise. There's a lot that is just basically opinion on our parts. But what do we actually, truly, certain with certainty know about the wise men? And I don't know if you've ever thought of this before either. But the fact is that everything, and I mean everything that we know about the wise men, comes from one source. And I read it to you this morning. That's the only place. And when I think of that, and I, and I read and reread that, I thought, well, you know, there's a few things I'd like to know <laughs> that aren't included in that account. And then I realized, if they aren't included in Scripture, even though they might be of interest to me, the fact of the matter is, I don't need to know. What I need to know, I'm given in the Word of God. In fact, it it really, and, and this was a special blessing to me as I prepared for the message this morning, that our focus should not be on the Magi, nor on the specifics of their trip, all of this information that we don't know but maybe would like to know. The fact of the matter is, our focus should be on the Christ child, on the Jesus they came to worship. Isn't that true? We know what we need to know. And even though there's lots that we don't know about them, it's true that we wouldn't be wasting our time if we follow the wise men in a spiritual sense to do as they did, to make the trip, to offer our worship, and to follow the Lord. You see, when they came to, to the house, they worshipped Him with a genuine Worship a worship that was based in faith. Their journey was worth all the effort they expended. Their motivation was the proper one. They came to worship the king and they didn't let anything else detract them from doing that. It was a trip that was motivated and necessitated, yes, necessitated by faith. And the important thing to you and to me today is almost assuredly The wise men were Gentiles. And they were invited to worship. They were informed of the Christ child, of the birth of the Savior. And they came to worship him. And that means that you and I, like the wise men, are invited to come into his presence and to worship him too. And God will continue to lead people to the Savior. And worship is still and always the best motivation for doing so. 
So as we follow the lead of the wise men, let us follow the star. You see, God will give us directions to get us to Bethlehem too. Oh, it won't be through a light in the sky. It'll be through his word. He's given us the information we need to be drawn to this baby and to recognize in that helpless little child that he's our Savior. It seems almost a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? And yet, that is exactly the way it is. God will give us the motivation to follow the star too through his word. For it is true, as it says in Romans 10:17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And as we learn that word of Christ, that word of God, he would work faith in our hearts. That's what I think happened with the wise men, that there was faith worked in their hearts through the message that they heard while in Babylon the message of the coming Christ. Again, from Daniel 2.48, the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. That means he was the chief astrologer, if you will. And as I mentioned before, Babylon was a center of astrology. It was a center for the study of the stars. But as Daniel assumed this position and this ministry, and I believe that he approached it as a ministry, I cannot help but imagine that that Daniel, as he studied the stars with his magi underlings, if you will, wouldn't stop to tell them about the true God, the God who made the heavens and the earth that Daniel must have done even more than that, that he must have also told the Magi of his day about the promise God made to send a Savior through the Israelites, a Savior for the whole world. Why else would these Magi 600 years later care about the birth of a baby some 600 miles away in Israel? And and by the way, I think Daniel's witness, and and I'm sure that he did it, because we know how bold he was. We know how committed he was to the faith. We know the price he was willing to pay if need be to hang on to the truth and to spread that knowledge. His bold witness provides strong motivation to each of us who are believers to share our faith with our co-workers and our friends because God still provides the way to Bethlehem. Follow the star. Follow that which he's provided to guide us there. And then we get, and when we get there, then we need to worship the king. I I find it so interesting in verse 11. It says they fell down and worship him. They didn't trip. They fell down in the sense that they couldn't get to their knees fast enough. Because in their hearts, they were already submitted to him. Now what a picture that is of them bowing on bended knee before a little child. Isn't that something? Kind of like Simeon, when the parents of Jesus brought him in to the temple. And he looked at that baby, and I think he held him in his arms, 
And he worshipped him as his savior. That's what these men did too. They fell down and they worshipped him. And you see, when by faith we believe the message of the Savior's birth, the same faith that motivated the Magi will motivate us to truly worship Him, to fall down before Him, to give Him our homage. And like with the, like the way it was with the Magi, no effort will be too great. And we, like the Magi, will come then to give gifts as part of our worship. Yet, first and foremost, Christmas, Epiphany, these closely related events are first and foremost about getting gifts, aren't they? Getting the gift of faith. Getting the news that we have a Savior. Having faith worked in our hearts that would enable us to have a personal relationship with God and to live in hope that He's in control. And He is in control. I don't care what appearances are. He is in control. And we're secure in Him. The Magi gave Jesus gifts. They gave him gold. Gold was a gift fit for royalty. And they, as they bowed and worshipped and gave their gift, were giving to the King of Kings. Frankincense was another gift they gave him. Frankincense was used for ceremonial worship of a deity. And think of that then. This little boy Jesus was truly the God-man. Fully God in human flesh. They worshipped him with their frankincense. And even if they didn't fully understand it, the truth is that that gift was appropriate and we can learn from it that we might recognize in this little baby the Son of God. Myrrh was the third of the gifts that were given. Myrrh was used primarily to anoint dead bodies. And again, maybe they didn't understand this. And yet, by faith, they acted appropriately and they gave this gift to remind us that this Jesus, born in the, ma- in the stable and laid in a manger, this Jesus who grew up there in Bethlehem and then in Egypt and then back in Nazareth, that this Jesus would one day lay down his life for the world to earn your forgiveness and mine, to make it possible for us to be born anew and to have the hope of eternal life. So what gifts do we give? Well, as we, by faith, come before Him this morning, may we fall down too to worship Him, to recognize the unique opportunity that is ours today. And may we offer him our hearts, our devotion. May we give to him our minds to have them truly taken captive by our God and Savior. And give to him our souls, our spiritual being, 
and to trust in Him. We also have the opportunity to give our offerings during our worship. But it's interesting, the word worship can be translated two, in two different ways. The word latreia can be translated as worship, and it can also be translated as service. Isn't that an interesting thing? We give service to God as we worship Him from our hearts, from hearts of faith. And as we leave here, we continue to worship Him as we give ourselves in service to the work of His kingdom, to the building up of that kingdom, and to the honoring of our Savior. Finally, I want to encourage you too, as the wise men did, to return home differently. Oh, I I don't mean take a different trip home. Unless your trip was long and boring and you want to find a new way, go ahead. That's fine with me. But that's not what I'm talking about here. We need to return home differently than we came. Because while we're here this morning, through word and sacrament, we are going to encounter our Savior. We're being pointed to Him right now through His Word. As we come and receive the Lord's Supper today, we are reminded again that He comes to us in His true presence to meet us where we're at, to remind us that He indwells us, to live within us, and to lead and to guide us, that He is truly Emmanuel, God with us, each and every day of our lives. And so when I talk about returning home differently, I'm talking about faith being strengthened and changing us as we have been in His presence today. Not only to enable us to properly celebrate Christmas and and Epiphany, but this gift of faith is for each and every day of our lives. And that God, by His Spirit, would lead us by his word to give us sensitivity to his leading that we might follow. He led the Magi home via a different route, thus protecting Jesus. And he will lead us through his word, leading us to repentance as it's necessary, pointing us anew to our Savior, and nourishing us through the word and the means of grace, the Lord's Supper, as we will receive it even today. And he will protect us. Oh, it doesn't mean we won't face hard times. We might even be martyred for our faith. But it does not put us in jeopardy, spiritually speaking. Jesus himself once said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. He says, I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And he's the one we're called to fear. In reverence, not cowering before him, but reverently bowing before him and humbly walking with him and following him. Because no matter what happens to us in this life, we do have the hope of eternal life. And nothing, not even COVID, can change that. Wise men still seek him. Wise men 
and I use the term men generically here, wise men still worship him. Wise men still serve him. And wise men still point others to him. God help us to be wise men. Amen. Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the example of the Magi. For the faith that you gave to them and for the faith that marked their lives that they would make such a long and arduous trip and that when they finished that trip in the presence of the Savior they were not disappointed but fell before him in worship and offered him their, their very best and I pray Lord that we too then would still seek you Lord Jesus worship you and you alone as our Savior and serve you as your people, as your children, and point others to you, that they too might make the trip to Bethlehem, might worship, might return home differently. Help us, Lord, to be wise men. In Jesus' name, amen.